Hello everybody, and welcome to another exciting adventure at the Hub World. Today's quest will have us covering the topic of the 3DS Essentials, although there's a little bit of a twist, which we will tell you about in a little bit. My name is Jules, and today our party members are... Mateo and Gino. Whether you're joining our adventure from YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, be sure to give us a like or a follow. Let's get this adventure started. So, um... We're going to first and foremost, actually, um, before we get to our icebreaker, we're just going to give you a little announcement. Um, this will be our final podcast for 2021. We will return in a few weeks, probably in mid-January, with um, our 45th episode of the Hub World podcast, which will also double as a little bit of our uh, our awards for 2021 um, so stay tuned for that. Um, during our hiatus from the podcast, you may still see some things uploaded to our channel on YouTube. So you can still check out our channel or catch up on some of the podcasts that you may have missed over the time before we return in January. So let's start with an icebreaker. We've pulled from the hub hat today. Which Smash Bros. character would you most like to be roommates with? Ooh. Well, for me, it's obvious. I would like to be roommates with my favorite game character of all time. And this is not just one character, but there's two characters in one. Banjo and Kazooie. I could uh, talk to Banjo and see where he's at, what it's like to not be in a game for so long. Just maybe help him out in this really tough time in his life. But in the same time, like Banjo and Kazooie seem like they'd be good company because Kazooie is very snarky and Banjo's is pretty chill. So... You know, and like they collect like golden statues, golden jiggies, golden notes. So like they could easily pay their rent because everything they collect is gold. So Maybe they'd be kind of mean. They're funny. It would never there would never be a dull moment. Okay. Uh this is actually a tough one. I'd have to say either Luigi or Kirby, and not for the reasons why you would think. You know, I'm gonna go I'm gonna say Luigi. Just because Luigi has a vacuum cleaner that can suck up anything, and it would be great at doing chores. And I'm just going to leave it at that. you see how much damage he does with that vacuum, Gino? It can be very, very, like, nicely done. Like, in Luigi's Mansion 1, I don't it, know. It, like, literally cleaning up that entire kitchen of all the food and everything, and it left all the big furniture pieces and set pieces in the room intact. Okay. It sucks up all the plates and the rugs and, and everything. Yeah, like, destroys everything in the house. It's deep cleaning, and you can turn those things into painting, so you have a house full deep of cleaning. <laughs> Deep cleaning. You know what? I changed my mind. I'm not going to say Kirby, because Kirby would just eat all the food, and it would just be an empty fridge all the time. Even though Kirby realistically could turn into a fridge but yeah luigi because of the vacuum this one is very hard you could always say a pokemon because then you could be like yo i'm the only one in the world that has a pokemon that's what i was thinking to start but i don't know if there's a pokemon on the roster here that i care to have living with me you know what i know who i'd want to live with for the same reasons that gino said or was trying to say but this is the correct answer if you're trying to get housework done. Well, you're trying to say that you want Luigi because he would be good at cleaning, but like he would actually be disastrous because Luigi is incompetent at everything he does. I think that the best, if you want an efficient household, the best roommate to have is Isabel. Isabel would be like the best roommate. I feel like she'd do all the chores. She just did it behind the desk. Yeah, but she keeps things intact. Like she, she knows how to handle. Uh... She's basically the mayor. Yeah, exactly. She'd like make sure everything was organized. Everything was like you know. I feel like Isabel would be a great roommate. She w works for life. Like that's, that's all she does. So I think that's the only one I'm looking at. I'm like I don't think I'd want to live with anybody else. So we're gonna move on to some housekeeping. So our last housekeeping of 2021. Is there anything that you've been playing, watching that you wanna? mention before we go off into our hiatus like is there any news that we need to catch up on anything you're looking forward to next year normally this time of year in terms of news like gaming news and stuff like things really slow down because everyone goes on their holiday breaks but gino and i finished watching hawkeye it was pretty good for the most part i don't really want to spoil because jules hasn't watched it and probably some of our listeners haven't watched it either. So it's probably the best Disney Plus Marvel series so far, in my opinion, at least. And then I've been playing a lot of Destiny now, like catching up back into Destiny. I'm about to start Guardians of the Galaxy because I just finished Halo Infinite. I had a bit of an ordeal. The fan inside of my Switch for the last couple months has gotten progressively louder and louder. So I bought a replacement on Amazon. I had to install that. It was a bit of a process because 
everything that could have went wrong went wrong. But at the end of the day, and after a new micro SD card was installed and I had carried all my games over to that, my Switch is now whisper quiet and I can finally start playing games on my Switch again. So I got to get back into Pokemon Diamond and a few other games. So my holidays are going to be very busy with games that I want to play before we can talk about them in our awards. So. So yeah, mine by and large has really been kind of like the same as Mateo. I've been playing a lot of Destiny's uh, 30th anniversary. Dares of Eternity is awesome, and Zur is just really, really funny. I've been enjoying that. Uh, we ran a few people through the dungeon, got us to get in on the uh, the harder mode, but that's just the Destiny stuff. I still have to finish Halo, but unlike Mateo, I'm going to play a game that I promised that I would play in our, in one of our previous episodes, and that is going to be Metal Gear Solid The Twin Snakes on the GameCube. The Hub World homework is still a thing, and I would like to formally remind you guys that, hey, we, we made a promise. We should probably finish that up soon. We still have time to go. Our Hub World homework this time was very loose. Well, actually, no, we had said we should finish it by tw- the end of 2021, but... Let's extend that to the end of 2022. Okay, you heard it here first, folks. We are officially extending our homework. We have given ourselves an extension. A one-year extension. Not much has been going on with me. I've been playing a bit of Guardians of the Galaxy, which I'm really liking. I'll probably talk a bit more about it at our awards. Other than that, but there's a few things I'm excited for. Like, as of today, like, they showed off the second trailer for the Uncharted movie, which I'm pretty excited about, especially coming off of No Way Home. I'm a big Tom Holland fan. This is what I said to my other friend who is also a big Uncharted fan. I'm still not sold on Tom and Mark as Nathan Drake and Sully, but the movie looks aesthetically Uncharted, and I'm excited for it for that reason. And hey, just spoiler for the trailer, the last shot of the trailer finally showed off Mark Wahlberg with the iconic Sully mustache, which is... A plus because we we're unsure if he was going to have the mustache and the other thing that's coming out actually like a little under a week from now that i'm sure we're going to have an episode about when we come back is the book of boba fett which i think a lot of us you know, like at the hub world especially riley is like super hyped for very interesting with that show i heard that there's not going to be any early screenings for any press so everyone is going to be going into that show completely blind and I, I don't remember the last time that's happened with a show to be on or a movie even like that's very rare and i'm actually looking forward to not getting things spoiled but jules when you mentioned uncharted i did remember there's also a little bit of small dc movie news that i just want to quickly talk about michael shannon is going to be reprising general zod and the actress that played feora as well in man of steel they're both going to be in the Flash movie coming up. And I have some theories spinning in my head about the Flash because of this casting. So maybe when we finally get a big trailer, we can maybe do like a breakdown or something about that and see if my theories did come true. In general, I just hope these Man of Steel actors coming back, that means Henry Cavill could be in the movie, but fingers crossed. <laughs> so last little thing I will mention before we get into the main topic. Since Mario Party Superstars come came out, I have not played another Mario Party. As of yesterday, I finally went back and played a different one. And the one I chose to play was Mario Party 10. To give you my history with Mario Party 10, I enjoyed Mario Party 10 on Wii U. I had a lot of fun. I played it all the time with my friends. And sure, it wasn't Mario Party, but I still like really enjoyed it. Playing it yesterday after playing so much Mario Party Superstars, I can flat out say it's an awful game. It was so... I'm very happy that you finally came to that realization. It took this long, but at least it happened. But I won. So I got my second ever name on my Mario Party board. Speaking of Mario Party, we will have in 2022 for you a Mario Party Superstar series that will start. Um, We're still in the midst of recording it. Um, We may have mentioned in the podcast before, it's taken a little longer than we had intended. There's been a lot going on and we haven't been able to finish our series, but we're hoping we'll get to finish finish it over the the holiday break and then we'll kind of hopefully have that ready for you sometime in 2022 and yeah so i think we're ready to start we said we have a bit of a twist for the 3ds essentials for you now this twist is a very interesting one because the twist is that we've recorded this podcast already and by we recorded this podcast already i don't mean that you're listening to a podcast that we recorded in the past right now i mean we literally recorded the 3ds essentials organically about a month ago and technical errors ensued and we lost the audio so of course we don't want to not have the 3ds essentials because we're working through all of these essentials lists in the past, when we've lost episodes, sometimes we've just like let them 
die and we've just been like we don't want to have that conversation again because we already had it it'll be inorganic but this one's a series so we felt like we need to still have this so with that being said because we've already recorded it we don't want to just sit here and pretend like we're going to have an organic conversation and make this list up now because we have already made the list up so what we're going to do is instead we're going to take a different approach we're going to talk about all the games that we had initially had on our short list. We're going to tell you why we think we should they should be there, even though we know what the end result is. Um, we're going to give you some honorable mentions, and then we're going to go through the short list, and we're going to tell you why certain games are on the final list and why they aren't. So instead of it being a deliberation, it's more going to be like an elaboration. So things will be a little different. Um, so you don't get to see us live make this list exactly but we're going to try and give you our thought process as best as we can for those of you who are tuning in and have never listened to our console essentials series this series is about determining what the essential games are on a console specifically what the five essential games are um, and some of the rules we have around that are like are they available for 3ds most things are available because they are digital as well as like like how well have they aged we also don't really consider remakes so you're not going to see us talk about Star Fox uh, 64 3d or Ocarina of Time 3d um, or Majora's Mask 3D Geno. I know you really you know, want to mention I love that talking one. about it. I love talking you know, about that. I know game. you really like Majora's Mask. So just keep that in mind as well. But we are going to give you that list now. So I think we should just get into it. So we're each going to go through some of the games that we had originally put on the shortlist and just tell you why we, we think that they deserve to be there. So maybe I'll start. So the first game I'm going to talk about that I think should be on this list is one of my favorite games on 3DS, period, and that's Fire Emblem Awakening. I had been a fan of Fire Emblem since the the Wii era. I had first played Radiant Dawn, and then I became a big Fire Emblem fan. I went back and played some of the other ones. And when Fire Emblem Awakening got announced, I was super excited. And I remember we had a play. I think, I can't remember if I was in a play during that year. I think I was. And it was like our hell week, which is like crazy time. Like you have no time other than your show. And I remember like during my breaks, I was like calling Best Buys trying to find Fire Emblem and I couldn't find it anywhere. It was all gone. So I ended up downloading it digitally and I was just in love with it. Like everything about it was so amazing. It really was the rejuvenation of this series. Um, I know a lot of people don't like the direction it went in, but I love it. I love the waifu simulator. I love being able to put my units together, marry them, they have kids, and I get to use those units to fight. Because I think what makes Fire Emblem special is permadeath. And what makes permadeath even more gut-wrenching is when you are really emotionally invested in every single unit. And I feel like that's why the focus on relationships and awakening really worked. Because it was like, it's no longer like, which units can, can I let die? Like the previous fire emblems were it was more like i don't want to let anybody die because i like everybody because everybody has stakes in 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 it now because they focus so hard on the relationships although there were still a few that i was like whatever you can go but it was really good i just i adored it story was fantastic gameplay was great um it did have its flaws but on the whole probably the best fire emblem for a beginner to, to start with and yeah i just love the characters even now there's a reason why smash has so many Fire Emblem characters now, and of those so many Fire Emblem characters, three of them are from Awakening. It's because Awakening is like the Fire Emblem game. Mm -hmm. It's almost like the definitive Fire Emblem game at this point. And like what you said, it's the perfect game, I think, for beginners for uh, to the series to play. It was my first Fire Emblem game. I bought that game at a mom-and-pop shop, and it was the only copy they had, and I knew this game was hard to find, and they were just selling it for regular price. I picked it up, that was the greatest impulse buy I think I've ever made in my life. I knew the second I picked that game up and I got through the first mission, that the game had its claws in me. I did not put it down. I played that game through straight. Like, anytime I had an extra minute or whatever, on the way to school, on the way back, like, before bed, whatever, I played that game. And for all the reasons you said, the, the sprite art, the animations, the music, the, the story, like, everything, that game literally was make or break for the franchise and they just threw everything in it and it worked and it now has rejuvenated the series it went from a nothing series to like a mid-range nintendo series with one game and they they haven't looked back since so like fire emblem awakening is definitely like a masterpiece game like it, it it's one of those few masterpiece games on 3ds that i think it are like we're gonna mention in 
rather quick succession. With Fire Emblem Awakening, this is the game that we will be spending a lot of time talking about. I'm not going to beat the dead horse on this one here because this game is also very near and dear to me. I guess I can go and uh, try to um, to nominate the next one here, if if you guys don't mind. Um, go for it. Recently, we've had a lot of success with Metroid Dread, and a lot of people really say that Mercury's team has really like outdone themselves. And the first game that they really had a chance to go out there and shine was with Samus Returns on the 3DS. And this is really the game that gave them that opportunity to go out and make the masterpiece that is Metroid Dread. And I feel like Samus Returns itself is a masterpiece. It basically brought it into color, brought it into widescreen, and made the game playable. And yes, we said no no remakes, but I want to argue the case for this. Like I wanted to argue this one here just because it's not really a remake rather than just like a reimagining of everything, right? They added the counter mechanic. They added bosses. They added more world uh, mechanics. They gave us more than just green as a color. Like there's, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot that they did and they did very, very well. And you can see the, those, um, those pieces of what made Metroid Dread so great kind of hidden it within this game as well. Like I thoroughly enjoyed every moment that I was playing through on Samus Returns. And I feel like it's just a great representation and the future is bright with Mercury Steam. Yeah, absolutely. That is another one of my favorites on 3DS as well. Yeah, I mean, I can only echo all of what you guys have said. Samus Returns, great game. Mateo, you ready for your nomination? Uh, my first nomination is the game that single-handedly, in my opinion, turned around the 3DS. Nintendo launched the 3DS in such a terrible state. It was overpriced. It had no games. There was a massive game drought in terms of original games. The first game that Nintendo brought out on the 3DS after launch that wasn't a remake was Super Mario 3D Land. And... That game used the 3D feature of the 3DS, the 3D slider, in such a fantastic way. The The illusion of the 3D on 3DS worked so well in that game. The level design was so good. I think it was the first time that Nintendo straight up referenced other Nintendo properties within a Mario game by having like the Zelda levels and, and things like that. Like That was such a great touch. The Tanuki suit finally came back in a Mario game. Once you pass a certain point in the game, you actually ended up unlocking Luigi, and Luigi could go back and play all of Mario's levels and you unlocked a whole slew of levels that you could play as Mario or Luigi in like there was so much replayability in that game the music's fantastic I love the main theme of that song it's one of my favorites uh but like for whatever reason Gino d- didn't like this game I don't understand why still so don't. when he put it down he still doesn't for whatever reason when he put it down I picked it up and I just it was one of those, another one of those games. I just couldn't put it down. It's one of my favorite uh, handheld Mario games, and I think it's honestly one of the most overlooked Mario games in general. Like I know it gets overshadowed by 3D World because it doesn't have the multiplayer, and it's just it's just kind of forgotten about. And I can understand I why. To, <laughs> I just <laughs> want to stand on my soapbox and just say, play 3D Land if you haven't. You won't regret it. It's really, really good. Sucks if you have to play it on a 2DS because the 3D really works well with it. But if you have to play it that way, that's fine, I guess. But just play it. It's so good. I think I think part of the reason why I like it, that game just didn't click with me for whatever reason is because I was able to like beat the Mario portion of the game just so fast. And I'm like, this pro's no challenge. Now, is that that like edgy phase in, I guess, my youth where I was just telling like, oh, it's a Nintendo game. I don't want to play Mario. I want to play Halo and things like that. So mm-hmm. it could be a collection of that. But I bought you that game for Christmas, and that's how you, you treated it. That's the game that I got my 3DS with. Sorry, Yako's 3DS with. See, that game blew my mind. When I beat the game and suddenly you lock Luigi and there's a whole nother game, I love it mm-hmm. when they do that. That's my favorite thing. We'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so my turn again. So I will start off the Pokemon conversation by saying that I believe Pokemon X and Y should be on this list. Pokemon X and Y for me was an experience. And I know we can't recommend my particular experience with the game to people, but that's okay. Um, I still think it has merit in its own. But like, this is the game that brought Pokemon to the realm of 3D. It was a revolutionary game for Pokemon. And not only that, that's the thing, is this is what I think about, like, Pokemon Company's approach to, like, going to 3D, is Pokemon Company could have been lazy like they are now and just literally just made the first 3D Pokemon. They didn't need to do anything, change anything. Like, people would have bought it just because it was a massive leap in graphics that, like, unlike Pokemon had ever seen in the mainline series ever. 
there's never been a 3d pokemon game with like the regular mechanics with the regular kind of world like where you can catch wild pokemon all that stuff that itself was a selling point but they went above and beyond and introduced like some game changing things fairy type was introduced in gen 6 in x and y that has changed pokemon like completely and what a welcome addition like i know there were some growing pains with with um fairy type being added initially especially with how few of them there were but like i feel like fairy type at this point people love fairy type now mega evolutions one of the most desired mechanics that has literally since it's been removed from the series has been clamored for and like wanted yeah, like it's it's stupid that they removed. I understand why they did it, but it's like it was such a good mechanic and it was so refreshing to see old favorites get these new designs. And just in general, like the game itself had so much in there, like the way that you could approach EV training in a simpler way, right? Which allowed them to make that part of the actual game, right? Like no longer was EV training just something that competitives did to play online. Now there's areas in the game where like, yeah, having EV EV trained Pokemon helps you out because now the battle towers and stuff have EV trained Pokemon and competitive tactic because now the game is giving you like accessible options in terms of training your Pokemon to have those EVs and IVs. And it was just, I think the game was really well done. Is it the best Pokemon game? No, not at all. But is it one of the biggest moments for Pokemon? One of the most, like the biggest leaps in terms of both graphics and design as well as like mechanic changes like i think so i think that was the first modern pokemon game and as much as a lot of people don't like modern pokemon i think modern pokemon in some ways is so much better than what came before it and i think x and y had no issues like gen 7 or gen 8 and i think that if Gen 7 and Gen 8 were more like Gen 6, then, you know, we actually have some pretty strong Pokemon games right now. I really do like X and Y. I think X and Y were revolutionary for the series. And in general, the Pokemon they introduced were really great too. The, I, I want to continue the Pokemon talk. And I'm Jules, thank you for making Gen 6 your recommendation and not, uh, and not Gen 7. But I want to suggest Pokemon Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire on here. Going back to uh, with what I said about Samus Returns, it was a remake, but it really wasn't at the same time, too. Because, yes, it re it retreaded some of the same story beats that uh, Ruby, and, uh, Ruby and Sapphire did. The Delta episode wasn't what Emerald was. It was its own separate, unique thing. It was kind of following um, the main protagonist going on a date with the rival. And it's just you're just trying to get to that date on time and then all of the stuff goes down, you meet some wacky new characters, you get to, it really kind of like blows open Pokemon to kind of like this multiverse idea that we've been getting in a lot of movies and stuff recently, where like, it, it kind of like sets down some crazy lore for the game, where like, for instance, each individual Pokemon game itself has its own little pocket universe within the greater Pokemon, and I, I'm i a sucker for that kind of stuff, and I, re I really like the, the Delta episode when it uh and what it did to like enhance the pokemon lore to like make you feel connected to each one of these uh these stories and things and i guess that the reason why i connected to that a lot better was i didn't actually play gen 3 when it was when it was available i largely skipped game boy advance because again i was too old for pokemon at that time but it was also just like gen 6's story didn't really connect with me all that much like team flare was underwhelming i i didn't really like a lot of the stuff that came with gen 6 and when we got even more megas we got even easier ev training we got a really cool flying uh the flying sim around the, the hohen area on the back of your mega latios or latias depending on what version i feel like oras took everything that x and y did right and dialed up and also took all the things that they kind of missed uh, missed on and kind of just like made it a little bit better. Albeit like Gen 3 had like the ability of already being out. So they didn't have to write a brand new story. But what, what they did write new story for, I found was really interesting and fun. No such thing as too much water. Yeah. There's too quickly, much water, okay? Just quickly though, like Gen 6 is, a, is one of my favorite generations in general for Pokemon. And like both of these games are are really awesome in my opinions. Like I have such great memories with both yeah. of them and they still, both of them still hold up. So oh, yeah, totally. Um, totally. I'm just glad it's not gen seven. That's not the list. Sorry, um, Jules. But, uh, so for my second nomination, I'm also going to talk about, I'm now going to talk about the second game that is responsible in turning the, 
the ship of the 3DS around. And that's Mario Kart 7. I know the roster sucks. I know there's no Waluigi, there's no Diddy Kong, no Bowser Jr., whatever. The roster's terrible. It, that That's inexcusable. But you look past that, you have a fantastic Mario Kart game with a lot of series firsts and a lot of things that have now become mainstays in the Mario Kart series. It was the first game to have vehicle customization, the glider and underwater portions of tracks. That was a huge deal for Mario Kart when it came out. And then also, in general, the track design's fantastic. Some of my favorite tracks of all time were in that game. Shy Guys Bazaar, Music Park, and then the Woohoo Loop. It was the first Mario Kart game to have non-Mario tracks in there. Like, the Woohoo Loop was from the Wii Sports Resort or Wii Fit games. So, like, it was the first, like, sort of branch off of Mario Kart into Nintendo. Also, Woohoo Loop wasn't a three-lap race. It was a three-section race where, like, you race what's one basically long line. There's a defined beginning and a defined middle, a defined end. Lastly, it brought coins back. I can't stress how important that is for the series. Like, coins were sort of a way for lighter characters to gain top speed and, like, it kind of added parity in a way. The balance of the game definitely was improved by that, in my opinion. Like, the coins could be used to get parts and stuff like that. So like it was a great way to sort of add like an economy to the game. And I know the, the way Mario Kart games go when, when we nominate them, but I, it needs to be said, like this game was really important for the history of the system and also for the history of the series. So I'm going to kick it off with one of my more controversial opinions. And again, we've already had this conversation, so this isn't going to come as a surprise to Matteo Gino, but it's going to come to a surprise to those at home. Other than the remakes, there are two Zelda games that were first made on the 3DS. And of those two Zelda games, I think that the only one that should be considered for an Essentials list is Triforce Heroes, because I think Triforce Heroes is an incredibly well-designed game. Triforce Heroes is not like other Zelda games. It is a multiplayer Zelda game, much like Four Swords, but in my opinion, it takes that concept and builds on it. Now, in a year like this year, where the game of the year was It Takes Two, a game that is designed to be made for two players. In fact, you can't even play it without two people. Um, and the whole gameplay is built around that cooperative gameplay. That's what, I, like, Traverse Heroes was ahead of its time. It was built for a three-person cooperative group where the puzzles, the gameplay, the experience is designed for you to work together and have different, like, like you have to collaboratively solve how to get through each of these missions together and i love that i love how unique that is i like how the gameplay isn't just anybody can solve it like each person has their own responsibilities and you have to work together and i know this game got a lot of flack and i feel like it's because a lot of zelda players went in playing this game the way that they played every other zelda expecting it to be a game they could play by themselves and they probably tried the one player mode and the one player mode is awful because the game's not designed for that. The game's designed to play with two other people. And, of course, it's hard for me to recommend this game to people and say, like, oh, go have two friends that will play with you. Yeah, that's a hard recommend. But if you can find two friends to play this with you, like I did with Mateo and Yako, like, such an incredible experience. Despite the fact that we had constant Wi-Fi connection issues because the Wi-Fi in my old house was awful and I had to sit in this one part of my room for it to even be semi-reliable. Wi-Fi issues aside, this game is fantastic. Um, and I think it's way more innovative than any other Zelda game. Definitely more innovative than the th three other Zelda games on the system, which two of our remakes and one is a spiritual successor. And I think if you're even talking about Zelda and 3DS, the only one you should be talking about is Triforce Heroes. Definitely a hot take right there. <laughs> yeah, sizzling hot. And again, I have to go and, and, and douse the hot take with uh, with my next suggestion. That And that was, I really enjoyed Link Between Worlds for exactly the same reason that any other Zelda fan would like Link Between Worlds. It is a linear Zelda game, albeit you could choose what, what dungeon orders and everything that you went in and what items you get and things like that like were. It was it was something traditional. I didn't need to have friends to experience the game and have fun. And I had a great time. It was familiar yet different again. It wasn't a remake, but it reused the same world that A Link to the Past did. And it was such a breath of fresh air. 
I, I really enjoyed what they did with the uh, the collapse into the wall feature. It was a neat way to solve puzzles. Yeah, albeit the dungeons were a little bit or a little bit small to my personal liking, and they were a little bit on the easier side. But then again, like I'm a seasoned Zelda fan. I am a seasoned Nintendo veteran. It was charming. It was very cute. I enjoyed the the story of the game, adding like this alternate dimension instead of the dark world was a really neat twist. And you have low rule and yeah, and the new characters they introduced in that game are some of my favorite characters they've had in zelda games recently with like ravio and hilda like they're great and just the the 3d mechanic especially during the dungeon i forgot which one it was what it's called where you have the tornado rod you can actually see like the layers that are below you and like when you link flies up and stuff like it's so cool that's one of the best uses of 3d on the system even the tower of hero was a really good example mm-hmm. of that and i feel like uh, like going back to the characters and this is actually something i didn't mention in the original uh in the original discussion that we had last uh, last time was that like and i remember us talking about this when the game first came out was like how the three counterparts to link zelda and ganon ravio uh, Hilda and Yuga were kind of like the opposites of their their Hyrule counterparts. Like, for instance, like Hilda had a really dumb plan. Ravio was a bit of a coward, and Yuganin was ra- like Yuga was rather weak without having like he didn't have any power. Hilda didn't have a dumb plan. Let's go invade someone else's Hyrule, and oh, spoilers by the way. Let's go invade another another realm, steal their Triforce, and ruin them instead of using the power of their Triforce to just wish ours back. You see where I'm going with this, though. I just I just wanted to put I that understand. in there. Yeah, fair. And even their Triforce is upside down, representing the opposite of an upright triangle. So what are their three virtues, then? Stupidity, weakness, and cowardliness. Weakness, weakness and dumb. Dumb, weak, and chicken. <laughs> to put a little end to the Zelda talk, I know you're saying that uh, Link Between Worlds introduced some of the coolest characters like Ravio, Hilda, and uh, Yuga, but why don't we, like, how about Triforce Heroes? Triforce Heroes introduced some great memorable characters oh, no. like Stylo. Oh, King Tough. Sorry, I'm reading these names off of off of Wikipedia because I can't remember them. Stylus singing was cringe. That's all I'll say. I have a rather large game to talk about here. Like the first big game that got unveiled with the 3DS. We had to wait a while for it, but man, was it worth the wait. Sakurai, fresh off of Smash Bros. Brawl, and how he rebooted Pit in that game gave him a new look. He ended up creating a brand new Kid Icarus game, Kid Icarus Uprising for 3DS. And that game was such a complete package. It was an on-rails sort of shooter like Star Fox, but then there was ground combat where you had like, it was kind of like a beat-em-up in a way. The, they, it was a great mix in my opinion. I know some people don't like the ground portions, but I love that, honestly. I love the entire game. Like, It was the triumphant return of a rather big game that was on the NES. And yeah, there was a Game Boy game in between, but like it was a 20-year wait or something crazy. Sakurai basically had a clean slate to work with. And the game's story's fantastic. I love the fake out really early on in the game where like you think it's going one way. And then, spoilers, you beat Medusa like eight chapters into the game. And then it just, the doors just blow open. And then the game ends up being way longer than you think it's going to be. And it that's not a bad thing because the voice acting's fantastic. The characters are written so well. The music's amazing. The art style's so good. It's probably the best looking game on the system to this day. It had multiplayer that was really, really fun, really underrated. It had the Sakurai collectibles, the sac like everything you would expect. Like it's like there was the trophy gallery. It had the the sort of like stamp things that you use as abilities and you can collect them and like form them on your touchscreen and like power up your character however you want the menus Mateo yes the traditional Sakurai menus like this game was so good I wish they somehow could bring it back either remake it on Switch or do a sequel or something because like it worked so well especially if you played it on like a bigger 3DS I think that's probably the optimal way to play it like the game is so good I I really I think that's my most wanted Nintendo game is just to be have a new Kid Icarus in the same vein as Uprising Sakurai deserves a long break after Smash Ultimate, but maybe if he doesn't want to go back into Smash Bros. right away, do give us another Kid Icarus game, please. Kid Icarus Uprising is just a gem of a game on the system. It's so fantastic. If I had to pick one game for someone to play on 3DS, I'd pick Kid Icarus Uprising. And the whole package of that game is just incredible, because like, 
not only is the gameplay like really fun and like so different from like other things mind you if you're left-handed i apologize yeah (laughs) the voice cast like the production value of that game even the online i don't know if you guys remember but we had a blast with the online multiplayer of that game like that game was a whole package like it was so cool and like at the time like it was all we could talk about it introduced so many characters that like were fun and awesome like dark pit slash pitu hades thanatos veridi like there were fantastic like vibrant characters with really cool art and designs completely voice acted so you completely got a sense of who they were each of their stories and characters were generally explored pretty well over the course of the story it really felt like something different right it felt like kind of almost like fire emblem awakening where like the intention was to make you like the characters and it was anime in style. And it was to the point where like, when I finished it, what I wanted wasn't another Kid Icarus game. What I wanted was a Kid Icarus TV show because it just works. Mm-hmm. So and we well. got a little piece of that, what it could be with like, they had the shorts that they released on the 3ds at the time. And then like the Palutena reveal trailer for smash for Wii U seeing the potential there it's like how like why didn't they make an overwatch show like kid icarus could work so well as an anime like missed opportunity um i'm gonna start by mentioning a couple games i know you guys haven't played and they're games i'm just gonna mention to be on the short list but theatre than final fantasy is a music game based off of final fantasy so if you ask me there are two series in video games whose music just goes unmatched where music is ultimately like almost the the best thing about it zelda and final fantasy are both franchises that have so much more to them than just music like final fantasy has incredible stories incredible worlds incredible characters zelda has like insane gameplay like crazy good like level design like there's all these amazing things but i would argue that both these series what they do best above everything they do amazing is their music like i would die if nintendo made a zelda rhythm game and that's how i felt when final fantasy like theatre than final fantasy came out it's like this is a collection of some of the most iconic incredible pieces of music in gaming period and there's a game attached to it. And they did such a great job of not only bringing in just like it, like a rhythm game, but it was like an RPG in and of itself. Like you collect the characters from across the series, um, level them up as you went through these different levels. There were different mechanics depending on the type of level you were doing. There was like overworld themes and battle themes and like boss battle themes and all these different things. Um, and there were cinematic ones and it was just really, really cool. And it just felt like a new way to experience all the music from across the series. And I was such a fan of it. I think they ported it to iOS, but the best way to play it, in my opinion, is on 3DS where it was made. And oh my gosh, what an incredible game theater than Final Fantasy is. The other one in the same realm of like JRPGs is bravely default bravely default is an exclusive to 3ds it's made by the same team that made octopath traveler um this was actually their first game um that they made well i don't know if it's their very first game but this is the one that put them on the map and it was on 3ds and bravely default 2 came out on switch it's like gameplay wise it's good but story wise it's not great whereas bravely default like was incredible it did some crazy cool things story wise and concept wise and the gameplay was really different from what a typical jrpg is it felt very classical because that at the time it came out we're getting to that point where final fantasy had started to become more actiony had really departed from what it used to be back during the like final fantasy one through six days um and bravely default is like that classic jrpg like four heroes searching for crystals like that kind of like aesthetic and idea with a little bit of a, a spin on the turn-based rpg system and the job systems um as well as some really like meta referential like story beats like it's really really cool what they do with that game and i think it's like for any jrpg fan it's really cool to experience that game it's just unlike anything else it feels both classic and new um at the same time 
And so that's another one I'll, I'll recommend there. Final one for me, even in our original conversation, was kind of just like, hey, I'll nominate this one because I had fun with it. Spoiler alert, I don't think it goes anywhere. Kingdom Hearts uh, Dream Drop Distance. I had a lot of fun with this game. Giuliano bought this one, I think, for my birthday, actually. And we were, I was playing through it. I had a lot of fun with it because it was it was one of those games that you could just pick up and play. That you played half the game as Sora, half the game as Riku. You leveled up both characters. They both played very differently. It kind of had like a Pokemon mechanic as well, where you had like these little cute characters that would like act kind of like as your Donald and Goofy as your party members, and you got different powers based on which party members you had with you. The game the game respected your time, albeit like it did make me play as Riku sometimes when I wanted to continue doing Sora stuff and the other way around as well. There was a time where I called that game my favorite Kingdom Hearts game that has since changed, but it's still very cool. Like a lot of the mechanics that that game introduced, you see the like evolved form of them in Kingdom Hearts 3 and some of them really work and some of them don't but ultimately that game was really really cool it was nice revisiting all of the worlds that we saw before for like the 80th time Mm -hmm. albeit with riku this time and while many people say that kingdom hearts 3d was where the story went bonkers and that's where like the story became so convoluted it couldn't be followed as somebody who can completely buy into the ridiculousness that is kingdom hearts the internal logic yes is ridiculous and very difficult to wrap your head around, but it's still pretty sound internal logic. Like once you understand it, it's actually not that convoluted. And I actually think th- Dream Drop, while that's where like it took it to the next level of complicated, this one was complicated because it was the first time where they didn't use heart bullshit as a concept it was time travel which is always hard for people to wrap their heads around but to a different degree in this one but like this game was really cool because like it was the precursor to kingdom hearts 3 like when it was came out like literally nomura said like this is the game that comes before kingdom hearts 3 the game you've been waiting for for almost like 10 years at the time and it was in my opinion, it set up things like really, really well. And I was super excited because it started to bring in like elements from the other games like um, Birth by Sleep and 358 over two days. And it really set up Kingdom Hearts 3. And part of my massive hype for Kingdom Hearts 3 comes from how well I think Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance set up the game, both mechanically and story wise. Um, so despite all the criticism out there from all the naysayers, I still stand by that game. It's it's a good game. Yeah, so just to wrap things up, I had the last nomination. My final game is Kirby's Planet Robobot. Kirby, in my opinion, up to, until Planet Robobot came out, was kind of in this, like, at least for mainline Kirby games, was in a very repetitive state. Things were a little dull, in my opinion, after Triple Deluxe. As much as I love Triple Deluxe, I'm not nominating it but the whole idea of the mech suit that kirby gets to pilot in that game that also has copy abilities and stuff it was just very fresh because like not every copy ability worked in the mech suit so you had to strategically plan how you would approach your levels because it's very easy to miss collectibles if you didn't have the right power-ups the game didn't have the the super powerhouse abilities like you had in in triple deluxe and in return to dreamland but like the mech suit still felt really really good and like yeah, you didn't have to play the the levels with the mech suit. There were some levels that didn't require it at all. So, like, there was good selection there. There was other side modes that were really good. Kirby Clash, I think, debuted in this game. And now it, it got spun off into its own series. And Meta Knight's Revenge was brought back into that game as well. Kirby games always have a lot of content in there if you really like them and you want to play through everything. And I just think, like, if you want to have a different type of kirby experience that's still a mainline experience that doesn't have the same repetitive aspects play planet robobot it's really really good it's a solid 2d platformer and like it's my favorite kirby game i think since kirby 64 so like it it, it's really up there in my opinion like it's really really solid if you haven't played it definitely play it it's definitely one of the more unique kirby games while also keeping like the mechanics very like at its core right like in a series like kirby where you get two polar opposites, right? You either get the same gameplay, right? Which is like Amazing Mirror or Nightmare in Dreamland, Squeak Squad, uh, like Return to Dreamland, like where the core gameplay like 
triple deluxe like the core gameplay stays the same or you get like vast departures where it's like canvas curse or mass attack or epic yarn where the games aren't even like the same like they're just like so vastly different but the nice thing about robobot is it's this nice balance of like it's something fresh and new while also not changing up the core gameplay enough that it feels like something completely different and that was really refreshing for Kirby because to have a mainline Kirby game where it's fresh is is very unheard of and that's really that was really exciting and I think that that's why that game really stands out among Kirby games because it's a solid entry with a solid gameplay edition that isn't limiting and it's also not like too out there it's just like it's just a very good change so the last game I'll mention um, it's not one that's been mentioned yet, but it's Animal Crossing New Leaf. Now, in our past podcasts, um, where we talked console essentials, games we've often avoided were Mario Kart, Smash Bros., Animal Crossing, because those games stay relatively the same, um, and they don't really change much. And so usually the newest version is always the definitive one. But Animal Crossing is an interesting, like there's an interesting line between New Leaf and the newest version new horizons and what i'd like to say about new leaf is new leaf is the peak new leaf is the like epitome of old animal crossing gameplay it's that idea of dropping you into a world that you don't have control over where you have to live with animals that are given to you you run around do tasks you pay off your debt you decorate your house you do the general animal crossing things of living in the village now animal crossing new horizons was a massive departure right like it was more about customization it became less about living in a village that you were placed in and more about building a village like your dream village and it was all those things that animal crossing fans maybe wanted for for years and years and years that weren't really possible without compromising the believability of like living in the village and just being a member so I see them as very distinct. Like, I love New Horizons. And I'm sure we'll talk about this when we get to our Switch Essentials, but New Horizons, for me, is my favorite Animal Crossing game. But I can acknowledge that New Leaf, if you're looking for that old Animal Crossing experience, New Leaf is, hands down, the peak of that experience. And New Leaf is an incredible game. While we've mentioned, like, Kid Icarus and 3D Land as, like, these turning points for for the 3ds i would argue new leaf was like another one of those big pillars that like just sold the 3ds like yep. like candy like 3ds's sales just skyrocketed after animal crossing new leaf and there's a reason for that and it's because it's so well done and while the addition of being a mayor gave you a little bit more control of your town than you've had in the past it still felt very contained. And there was just so much in that game, right? Like there's the Nintendo furniture. There was all the things you look for in Animal Crossing, interacting with villagers, building new shops. New Leaf also incorporated like the city in a way that wasn't as intrusive. Like like city folk had the city that you had to go to and it was like just there. Whereas New Leaf had the city walk that was like at the top of your town and then you can unlock new shops and like build new shops. And there was a progression system for your town not just for your house like in previous games like it felt like the town was also expanding but it wasn't a control thing like whereas new horizons is like it's not about expanding it's about you're building it whereas this felt like natural progression systems and i i really liked that i really thought that new leaf was a great game my most played game on the system by far there's just something about the classic animal crossing formula that i just missed so much i think new horizons is probably the better game especially now after this update that they just released in november but like they had a sizable update for that game out of nowhere in like 2016 where they added the amiibo support the nintendo style amiibos i think that's when the diving got added into the game as well that was a massive update that was when the second wave of animal crossing came and we put another hundred whatever hours into it i think my best memories of animal crossing come from new leaf there's something about it like this is the one game that can buck that trend of the mario kart smash bros animal crossing curse okay so that's our short list just to remind you the short list consists of the following games mario kart 7 3d land kingdom hearts 3d bravely default pokemon oras pokemon xy Kirby Planet Robobot, Triforce Heroes, Link Between Worlds, Theatrhythm, Kid Icarus Uprising, Fire Emblem Awakening, Animal Crossing New Leaf, and Metroid Samus mm -hmm. Returns. 
Now, before we get to what we're calling the elaboration instead of the deliberation, let's have some honorable mentions. Like, are there any games on 3DS that you guys feel should get like a short mention that people can go play or should go play? Absolutely. I just want to like quickly say, I know we they weren't eligible for the list, but like the 3DS had some fantastic remakes and like remasters of games. Ocarina of Time 3D, Star Fox 64 3D, Mario Luigi Superstar Sega, plus Bowser's Minions, and then Bowser's Inside Story even though that killed the alpha dream, but like, those are just to name a few, some fantastic updates of classic Nintendo games. I am going to go and do a shout out for all of the, uh, the street pass games. Uh, I know you need a time machine. Now the street pass games were part of my daily schedule for about five, six years, um, of my life. Got to carry around, get all my puzzle pieces, do my find me. It was it was a good time. If only Nintendo could like bring Street Pass back on Switch somehow, because people carry their Switch everywhere like they did their 3DS. It'd be fantastic if they could somehow make it work. Other games I feel like should mentioned here are Badge Arcade. Also one of those daily 3DS experiences. Yeah, it was so like I can't. And, like, the thing is, it wasn't just, like, an experience. I remember, like, messaging Mateo, like, at midnight when it would reset and be like, what did you get from the Badger Arcade? <laughs> or, like, like it was, like, quite the experience. It was so fun. Um, I really enjoyed the Badger Arcade. I hope that they do a Switch release um, well, of Well, that Badger would require Arcade. them to update the um, Switch UI, which I consider, like, I'm... I'm of the opinion now that Nintendo will never do that, so... There's quite a few games on 3DS that I feel I could mention, but I, I don't know, like, I think we... Our list is pretty strong, like, I don't know if I need to honorably Super mention... Mario Sticker Star, ...much yeah. else, like, I think mm-hmm. I'm good. <laughs> no, no. Screw no, that game. But I had one more, just Luigi's Mansion 2, I think. Luigi's Mansion was the one game I thought would work fantastic, seeing Ghost pop out, and they made it work. The game has some issues, like the level progression, whatever, but for what it's worth, I think Luigi's Mansion 2 is still really, really good. Okay, then we can get to the elaboration. Okay, so again, for the elaboration, what we're doing is we're not going to be deliberating. We've already done the deliberation in our past one. We're going to kind of go through all these games on the short list, and we'll kind of give you a sense of why certain games were picked and why they weren't. Um, so the ones that we'll start with are um, three games that very early on were like, yeah, we can just take these off, which were Kingdom Hearts, Bravely Default, and um, Theatrhythm. On my end, I gave up Bravely Default and Theatrhythm mostly because I'm the only one who's played them um, in this group. And as always with Essentials lists, if only one of us has played it, we have to really be like hardcore about it. And I just don't think either of these games necessarily needs to be on this list. So I kind of gave them up. Um, And Gino, like if you want to speak to Kingdom Hearts. I feel like it was just one of those games where it's like, okay, this is just another like kind of RPG. And I feel like there were a lot of stronger candidates for an essentials list. I feel like Nintendo's first party support usually is very, very, very strong. And to have just randomly Kingdom Hearts on there, it didn't make a lot of sense for me. Yeah. And then the next game we took off was Kirby Planet Robobot, just because Kirby doesn't do enough to really stand out at its core it's just still a, a gent like a regular kirby game with like a nice gimmick but the gimmick really doesn't it didn't set itself apart like how return to dreamland did on wii how how it was like this incredible multiplayer experience it was still still a very singular experience that like gino said like there's just better nintendo games that are on there that serve the same purpose essentially the other things we can kind of talk about here so we'll start by talking about zelda just the first thing we'll talk about with zelda is which one we chose to continue onward of course i really adamantly support triforce heroes and really think it's unique but ultimately i did agree with mateo and gino who proposed certain things about link between worlds do you guys kind of want to say why you would have link between worlds here over triforce heroes Like, it, what it came down to was the fact that Triforce Heroes required three 3DSs and three copies of the game with a good internet connection. And, like, there was no voice chat feature in the game that we could use. We used, like, Xbox Party Chat or whatever to actually talk to each other. And, and it wasn't that long of an experience either. The, the, the game wasn't that long. But then you had this masterful 2D Zelda game in Link Between Worlds for different reasons. Like, yeah, you would obviously like to have multiplayer in that game, but... Still, the level design was fantastic, and like the, the characters, we went just back to like the fact that it's essentially having like another version of Link to the Past on this list, and it was a single player experience. You could play however fast you wanted. It was up to you only. Like there was thing like it was basically there was just too many variables to have a fantastic experience with Triforce Heroes. 
if anyone can do a better job than me there, I don't think I did a very good. No, that was good. Yeah, so that's kind of why we ended up going with Triforce Heroes over Zelda. Now, the the other one that had, the other series that had two games here was Pokemon. Um, So we had to decide which Pokemon game was moving forward, X and Y or Oras. And I remember one of the big things that I had said um, and what I felt very adamantly about was you can say what you want about your opinions of Oras or X and Y. My opinions on Oras are very low. But ultimately, I feel like everything that was good in Oras started in X and Y. And X and Y is the one that should be getting credit for all those amazing things. The Mega Evolutions, the 3D Pokemon, the Fairy type, the new mechanics. And ultimately, Oras didn't include anything new mechanically. All it did was add more of what X and Y had created, right? It just piggybacked off the success of X and Y. Like, I think the definitive way to play Gen 3 is on the Game Boy Advance. Whereas I feel that with Gen 4, Gen 1, and Gen 2, all of their remakes Mm -hmm. did them better. So that's where where I kind of remember arguing that, like, X and Y should be given credit where it's due. And it was the one that created all of these amazing new mechanics that some of them still persist into Pokemon today. And that's why I think that X and Y should be there. I don't think that the the Game Boy Advance is the best way to play Gen 3, but I can understand where, like, the importance of Gen uh, of Gen 6, like, X and Y and everything came and, like, it created all those features. It's just that for whatever reason, I didn't resonate as, as much with uh, Gen 6 as you did, Jules, and that's why I like Gen 3, because especially for me going into Oras, that was my first experience of Gen 3. And given a first experience of Gen 3 ver- and a ver- first experience of Gen 6, I chose Gen 3. But again, like, and and yeah. I, res- and I, res- I respect your opinion for yeah. that, but I don't think it's I remember, actually, this thing was a very pivotal moment in the conversation, is that we all agreed that X and Y were landmark titles in the Pokemon series. We compared it to, like, Gen 1, obviously, Gen 2, and then Gen 6 was the third landmark title in the series. Everything that came after that hasn't really hit the same highs in terms of importance as the X and Y. So for that reason, I think that was that was the deciding factor for me to change my mind. So then, yeah, so ultimately we, we continued with Pokemon X and Y then moving on. And then we talked about Mario Kart. But ultimately, I think we agreed that with, as we've established in past Essentials podcasts, is Mario Kart 7, while it did introduce some of the new mechanics like the air gliding and the and the underwater portion like mario kart 8 is everything that mario kart 7 is like way 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 better like mario kart 7 really was just an appetizer to what the main course of mario kart 8 and it's hard to say go back and play mario kart 7 when mario kart 8 is the same experience but like infinitely improved like to of like a vast degree it doesn't just have more it's just like mechanically better so and there's no honey queen and there's no honey queen but yeah so we kind of dropped mario kart 7 there which left us with kid icarus uprising fire emblem awakening pokemon x and y animal crossing new leaf metroid samus returns mario 3d world and zelda link between worlds now this is where our conversation got very interesting and so our initial thought was okay well instead of figuring out what shouldn't be here let's figure out what should be here so then we kind of agreed that there were three games that had to be on this list and we'll each say them i'll start fire emblem awakening kid icarus uprising and uh, metroid pride federation force jk uh, metroid samus returns yeah so those were our three that were like these games have to be on there like and we've already talked about why right like kid icarus and Fire Emblem and Samus Returns were all series of Nintendo that were either stagnant or dying or dead in some cases that came back in refreshing, exciting new ways, brought in a new audience. And aside from Kid Icarus, which hasn't gotten a follow-up, but for Fire Emblem and Metroid at least, it really solidified the future of these series within Nintendo. And even though Kid Icarus hasn't gotten a follow-up yet, it at least gained enough popularity that should they make a follow-up, it likely would gain um, quite the following because they did such a great job building mm-hmm. those characters. So we saw all three of these games as like very big turning points for each of those series. They were successful revivals that worked not only from a gameplay standpoint, but just from like a character and a like an aesthetic standpoint. It was new teams taking on beloved franchises and making them fresh for new and old audiences. 
So we were like, we can't talk about 3DS and not say that these three games should be here. What we were left with then was Mario 3D World, Legend of Zelda Link Between Worlds, Pokemon X and Y, and Animal Crossing New Leaf. And we had to choose two of those four. I don't remember exactly how, how the conversation went, but I do know that at some point, one of us said that if any system in Nintendo's history was not about Mario and Zelda, it was 3DS. I believe you said that. And it was just like, yeah, Link Between Worlds and Mario 3D World are solid entries in the series. But neither of them was revolutionary. Neither of them was the best in their series. And neither of them is the peak or the turning point or anything more notable than anything that comes before or after. And while they are both solid, even fantastic games, ultimately 3DS wasn't about Mario and it wasn't about Zelda. It was about everything else it had to offer. And even now, when you look at the Switch, which is a hybrid of handheld and console, what has given Switch the numbers that it needed to really become this massive vehicle of a home console that it is, two of the the turning points for Switch were Pokemon Sword and Shield's release and Animal Crossing New Horizons' release, and that is directly tied to Pokemon X and Y and Animal Crossing New Leaf driving the handheld sales and now pulling those handheld audiences into the home console market. And neither of those games... That's the thing. It's not like they're just these games that sold well that aren't good. Like we said, X and Y is this... This is this is one of those landmark titles in Pokemon in terms of what it did for it. Mechanically, graphics-wise, like just like it was something notable. And then New Leaf is that ending that peak of what old animal crossing was yeah and it was at that point where like we were like yep these games need to be on the list that is what this whole process is about is identifying those five games and especially now knowing what we know those games definitely help clarify our opinions on on these two games but like still i think we made like i i really wish that we could have given this original discussion out to everyone. I really wish we didn't lose the audio, but like the, the, when it clicked moment, we're like, Oh my God, like that makes so much sense. That's so right. Like I never thought of it that way. That was such a fantastic experience. Like we never, I don't think came together like this before when making an essentials list, we would always be like, "Ah, I wish this was on here. I wish that was on here when we were finished. But like, this was the first time I think in the entire process of making an essentials list where we were all on the same page and we all felt good about the list. Yeah. Yeah. So our final list, our essential 3DS games are Kid Icarus Uprising, Fire Emblem Awakening, Metroid Samus Returns, Pokemon X and Y, and Animal Crossing New Leaf. This is a list that represents 3DS as it was. It was a revival uh, rejuvenation for a lot of Nintendo franchises, as well as the peak of some of its most beloved franchises. So that's our 3DS essentials. We do have an announcement for what's going to happen with our next one because we only have one Nintendo console left. Now we're not ruling out that we're ever we're not ever going to do consoles outside of Nintendo. We may do PlayStation or Xbox somewhere down the line. We don't know when, but it's possible. But for Switch we have an interesting announcement. So obviously Switch is not done its life cycle. And it's much more efficient to do Switch Essentials once all the games are out so you can look at it in hindsight. But we obviously don't want to kill that momentum and make you wait four years for the final entry um, in this series. So what we've decided is Nintendo announced earlier in the year that we're at about the halfway point in Switch's lifespan. We're four years in, we'll be five years in at the beginning of next year, and the Switch still has many more years ahead of it. So we decided we want to do an essentials list for the Switch's first half of its lifespan. So we're looking at Legends Arceus, which releases at the end of January, as the natural cutoff of Switch Era 1. And from there, we will create an essentials list of the most essential games on Switch from its first entry, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, all the way till Pokemon Legends Arceus. We'll decide a five, like the five most essential games for those. And then at the end of Switch's lifespan, we'll do a second one, 
where we start after Legends Arceus and go till the end of its lifespan and make a short list there. And then we'll try to do a final kind of like one where we take the two lists and try to determine the five most essential Switch games. So this one will almost be a three-parter um, over the course of years. Um, but who knows? We don't know what's going to happen by the time Switch is done. Hopefully the podcast is still running. But Hopefully the Switch has the, the same pace of game releases that they had in its first four years. Part yeah. one is going to be hard enough as it is. Part two I can imagine being difficult. But can you oh, imagine yeah. comparing what are probably going to be ten probably stellar games and have to whittle that down to five. Yeah. I don't know how we're going to do that. I pity future us. Yeah, so. Future Gino, don't screw this up. It, we'll see what happens by the time of Switch, the end of Switch's lifespan. Uh, but that's what's coming. So that brings us to the end of not only the 3DS Essentials, but also the Hub World Podcast for 2021. Um, it has been such an amazing year, an incredible year of doing podcasts. Um, we really... When we started this thing earlier in the year, I don't really think we thought we'd get past 10. And we're almost at 50, which is an incredible feat. We've had a blast doing it. We're so excited for another year full of content. So we want to wish all of our listeners an amazing holiday. Um, You know, be safe. Obviously, the state of the world is a little bit crazy right now, but be healthy. Spend some time with your family or friends, whoever whoever's close to you, um, and take a nice rest. And when we come back in January, we're going to kick off with a nice awards show that will be like a retrospect of like what our years look like. Um, and then we'll move forward into some exciting stuff in 2022. So thank you again for all of your support this year. Gino, do you want to sign us off? Okay, Jules, thank you. That brings us to the end of today's quest. If you liked what you heard today, hit that like, subscribe, or follow button on your platform of choice. If you're following us here on YouTube, we're definitely going to have some more uh, exclusive content. We are taking a bit of a hiatus from the podcast at this time of year, just just to remind everyone. But we might have a few episodes of like things here and there on the YouTube channel. So give us a follow and a like over there as well. If you want to contribute to the conversation, let us know any ideas for upcoming quests, icebreakers, or just share your general thoughts with us. Leave us a comment. We love reading all of them and it'd be great to include more people in the conversation anyway we'll see you next time at the hub yeah happy holidays everyone and microsoft make a new banjo game 2022 is the year mateo i hope we all hope see you later everybody see ya